0: you can mentor is a network that equips and encourages mentors and mentoring organizations through resources and relationships to love god love others and make disciples learn more at youcanmentor.com or follow us on social media you can mentor today on the you can mentor podcast we have casey Strader from save nine consulting and we are talking logic models a logic model is a one page connection between what you plan to put into your program and what you expect to deliver. It really does connect the dots between donors and funders um, between what you say you need and what you promise to produce. Logic models are an incredible tool not just to raise money but also to support and encourage you and your staff as you lead your mentoring organizations. So if you're a mentoring leader, check out today's podcast, share it, give it a five star. We're talking logic models, folks. And remember, you can mentor. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the You Can Mentor podcast. This is Zach, and I am here with Casey Strader. Casey, say hi.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Um, Casey has... um, This is her second time on our podcast. She uh, was on our podcast back in, I think, 2021, talking Mm -hmm. about... I think how to run a healthy nonprofit. And so she's kind of my go-to person in regards to all things like talking about boards, talking about strategy, Mm -hmm. talking about logic models, like all of the, all of the big things I call Casey. So, but yeah, so Casey, why don't you tell us a tad bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, So I think we've been working together for quite a while. I don't remember what year it was we started with Forerunner, but I uh, love helping nonprofits do a couple different things. The first one is I love to help nonprofits explain why people should join them in their work. Like, how do you get people around you, um, to join in? And I love helping them do that better. And then I also love to help them enjoy each other while they do it. So I like to help boards and staff teams understand each other better, communicate better, um, and have a better time together while they're doing the great work that they're doing.
0: So I think the first time we met, you, um, worked with my board and I want to say it was like 2016.
1: That was a long time ago.
0: Golly, that's nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, So I especially love to help boards work together because they're such a like a a powerhouse and um, they can do so much good for the organization when they're leveraged well. But a lot of times they aren't. Or, um, I think in Forerunner's case, one of the things we were talking about was like, uh, the life cycles, like the life stages of a nonprofit and how you go from being like an infant nonprofit to like a a toddler and then a young one, and then a teenager, like how do you grow and how does your board then grow along with you? And what do those growing pains look like? Uh, so I remember that. I remember that, um, retreat that we had with your board. That was great. Um, So yeah, I've been working with nonprofits since about uh, 2009, and I have a master's degree in nonprofit organization from UNT, and then a communications degree from Texas Tech, which is my true alma mater, Go Tech. And uh, I'm married to Sam, who's awesome, and we have three sweet kiddos, Meg, Tom, and Clay.
0: That's awesome. Thanks, Casey. So Casey's helped us do a strategic plan. She's helped out with our board, but the thing that we will focus on today is called a logic model. And so I came to Casey in 2019 asking for help on how to fundraise. And Mm -hmm. she said, well, have um, you ever heard of a logic model? And I said, Casey, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then Mm -hmm. for the next 18 months, she just kind of helped us create a logic model that honestly, that kind of propelled us into the next season um mm-hmm. of how to fundraise. And so it's very very helpful, very effective in regards to how to share your message and how to how to um recruit people to hop on board. And I personally believe that every not-for-profit needs a logic model. And mm-hmm. so the hope today is after hearing this podcast and after checking out some of the things that we will put on our website that you will be able to create one for your nonprofit. Um, so why don't we just start from there and Casey, what is a logic model?
1: Uh, a logic model is a tool, um, that helps you focus and explain your vision. That's what it is. So imagine you have a toolbox. Um, ultimately what you're going to use that tool for is to raise more money, um, but it's going to do a couple of other things. It's kind of like the Leatherman in your toolbox. Okay. Um, it's going to accomplish several things for you at once, but you have to figure out how to use it. Um, it's not going to be the easiest tool to just pick up and grab, but it's going to be probably the most functional. Um, it's going to be the most versatile. Um, so it's a tool, a logic model is a tool. Um, you have to learn how to use it. Once you know how to use it, you can use it anywhere. And I think a lot of nonprofits tend to think that the, the maybe the only tool they have for fundraising is find rich board members, right? Like just just get people who are really connected and they'll give and then we can do what we need to do. Um, and I haven't really seen that work very well for many organizations long-term. Um, this is a really effective tool for the long haul.
0: Yeah, so after I um, got some people on my team to to create one, I I was blown away by how it really was able to connect the dots as to what I was saying that we needed and mm-hmm. what I was saying that I would produce.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what you make with it,
0: yeah. yeah. And so, okay. and and honestly, this this gave me so much confidence to go into any um, mm. potential donor. And, And say, Hey, look, here's what we need. Here's where we are. Here's why we need it. And here's what we'll do if we get it. And that just made the ask so much easier. And honestly, it, it was so easy for some of our donors just to kind of, to kind of grab onto
1: yeah. Yeah. And I gave you kind of the, the figurative answer there when you ask what it is. Literally, we're talking about one piece of paper, right? We're not talking about a huge long document that you have to, um, you know, have this huge retreat for every year. Um, we're talking about one piece of paper, um, but a couple of tough questions. But if we can get the answers to those questions, if we can get everybody on the same page about what those answers are, then we really can't go anywhere. So a logic model is one piece of paper that's going to ask us five different questions. We're going to answer those five questions. And then that's the tool that we have to go raise money.
0: And I know for me, answering these specific five questions really helped sharpen the focus of our staff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of created a target for us all to aim for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was awesome. So... Um, so Casey, tell us about these five questions. What are the five, um, or, what are the five things that we need, um, to create a logic model?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're going to have, um, five categories and you can organize this in all sorts of different ways. Um, as some people like to write it out, I think that the best way is just to have five columns, right? And so across the top, you're going to have um, your first category, which is your inputs. And your inputs is everything that you're going to um, expand into a program, right? Um, The next one is you're going to have your um, activity. This is what you're going to do. You're going to have outputs. This is the kind of natural outcome of what you did. You're going to have outcomes, and then you're going to have impact. So it's a very high-level view of the five, but I kind of like to talk about um, them in order of importance, right? And so to do that, we look at the far right-hand side of this thing. We fast-forward to the end, and we look at the impact. So that impact is going to be really the first question we need to answer. And impact is, what are we going to change, not tomorrow and not next year, but eight to 10 years from now, why are we doing this? What are we trying to do? So eight to 10 years from now, what do we want to see change in the community around us for the community we're serving? Uh, What do we change? And the thing about impact is you never really exclusively own it, right? Because people are going to be affected by lots of different things, maybe even more than one organization. So you're not saying that you are going to be the sole exclusive uh, creator of that impact, but it is what you want to see. So eight to 10 years from now, what are you hopeful for? Like, why are you doing this? And if you can have one impact statement that everybody agrees with, then we all know what we're aiming toward.
0: Yes. So like for me, we did after school, we did mentoring, we served mom, but our impact statement would be something like, Um, like, and Casey, I could be way off on this. So if I am, you can tell me, but we want 80% of our Mm -hmm. young men to attend, um, secondary education in some form or fashion.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I think back when we did that, we even said a little bit more than that, right? Yeah. It wasn't just that they were going to attend secondary education, but they were going to be faithful in their families, they were going to contribute to their community. Like it was like three things yes. that describe these boys as men. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of men do we want them to be eight to ten years from now? Yes. And their their mom is going to affect that, right? The church they attend is going to affect that. There's going to be teachers who have part of that impact. Like it's not just us. It's not just Forerunner, mm-hmm. but what kind of men do we want them to be? Perfect, And so that's a big question.
0: Yeah, I think we said something to the degree of we want them to be in some kind of school after Mm -hmm. high school. We Mm -hmm. want them to be faithful in their faith. And we Mm -hmm. wrote out what that looked like. And then we wanted them to be positive, um, positive men in society. And we Mm -hmm. said what that looked like. Yeah. And so what's so cool about that impact statement is. You can go kid by kid and say, hey did we accomplish this with this kid? And it's either a yes or it's a no. So, Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it, it does need to be something that's measurable. Even if you're not the only organization affecting it, you need to know eventually, like, are we doing it? Are we getting there? So for organizations that have been working for a given amount of time, like say 15 years, Are they already starting to see some of that or not? Um, But that impact statement is going to be something that everybody agrees to. We can all point to it. It's like the it's the scoreboard, right? Like we all say we know what we're aiming toward. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And we want to be able to know if we did it or not.
0: Exactly. So impact what we hope to see in eight to 10 years. What are we going to change?
1: Yeah. What are we going to change? What's going to, um, what's going to be different because we existed and because we touched these kids at this point in their life, like what, um, what will we move?
0: And yeah. I know for me, this, this was super encouraging because so often I'm asking myself, man, am I even making a difference? But mm-hmm. this, this impact statement helped me say, okay, I hung out with this kid. And I can see them trying to make uh, specific progress in this area, which is part of our impact statement. It's very, very helpful. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, absolutely. And for some organizations, this is going to pretty closely mirror their vision statement. Um, it may closely mirror their mission statement. It, it doesn't have to, um, but you also don't, need to think that you're completely reinventing the wheel. You're probably going to repeat or reflect some of the really important words from statements you already have, uh, mission or vision. Um, And the other thing here to point out at the beginning is you can have a logic model for each program that you have in your organization, but your impact statement is going to be cut and paste, right? Like Because all of your programs within your organization, unless your scope has crept really far over should all be pointing at that same level of impact, that same type of impact. So you may have five different programs, five logic models, you're going to have the same impact statement for all of them.
0: That's right. Um, This might be out of bounds here. So tell me if I am, but what, 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 how does like your, uh, how does your theory of change um, come into this?
1: Yeah. Um a lot for a while people have used those terms pretty interchangeably.
0: Okay.
1: A logic model and a theory of change. A theory of change is much more connected as a document to the community around you. So okay. most of the time your theory of change is going to include lots of other factors outside of you and how you fit within the wider community. It's more of a a big scope survey of say your town, your community something like that. And a theory of change is tends to be much more collaborative. A logic model is uh, much more siloed, right? We're gonna look at one program and we're gonna take that program all the way through.
0: Okay, that's awesome, thanks. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, Okay, so what's next?
1: Okay, so we're going backward, right? So we've got this uh, and hopefully listeners can go and and look at an example of this, but we've started on the far right-hand side of the page. We have looked at impact. That's where we're headed. Um, But we know that that impact is going to be a little ways away, like eight to 10 years, at least we're looking at um, longer term consequences. The um, next thing we want to look at now, we're going to back up and say, okay, how do we get there? So we're going to come all the way back and we're going to say, what are we working toward? And so for a given program um that you decide you're gonna do or maybe that you're already doing because you can do this for an existing program or you can use it to create a new program it can be for either one um, but take uh say uh pick one what's a, a program at forerunner that you would uh, highlight like after school or moms or yeah. one-on-one mentoring
0: let's do one-on-one mentoring
1: yeah okay so the one-on-one mentoring um, Uh, So what you want to do is back up and say, what's it going to take for us to put this on? Like, What is this going to cost? Not just the the line item in the budget, but you can, but also as an organization, what kind of skin do we have to put in the game? Like, What are we going to put on the line for this? How many volunteer hours is it going to be? How many staff hours is it going to be? Um, Anything that you are investing and putting in, you're gonna wanna bullet point out in that category because you wanna be able to show donors and funders, this is what it's gonna cost. Um, Right up front, this is the whole list of needs for where we wanna go, what we're already investing and putting in. Um, And so you can do it as a snapshot of where you are um, or you can do it as um, where you wanna be, right? So it may say like right now we've got, uh, this amount of our budget, this many volunteer hours, but we want to take it and have this given increase. And so that line of inputs is going to be everything you're investing to make the program happen.
0: That's awesome. So what do we need and tell us what is, tell us, what's it going to take
1: mm-hmm.
0: the inputs for, for us specifically. And like I said, we, we will toss an example on our website. But Mm -hmm. for where, for where we were at one point, we needed, you know, Mm
1: $25,000.
0: Um, and that, uh, that, um, includes staff salary. Mm
1: -hmm. We
0: need two staff members. We need Mm -hmm. 35 volunteers who give one hour a week. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We need office space and we need, um, safety training. Yeah. And yeah. Background, checks. background checks.
1: Yeah, you need checks. um what's the onboarding look like for those 35 volunteers? Um do you have to do any advertising to reach them? Um any kind of input that it's going to take to get that program going and sustained is going to go in there. It's like the it's like the recipe list at the beginning of the recipe, right? Like what's going in.
0: Th- that's awesome. That's really easy to understand it's the recipe.
1: The recipe list. So once you have that, right? So say it's the recipe list. Um, Now, the next question is, what are you going to do with it? Like, what will your activities be? So that's the next column. We've got inputs. We're going to activities. So for one-on-one mentoring, that's pretty straightforward because your activity is going to be um, one-on-one mentoring. Like these guys are going... uh, Now, one activity is going to be um uh like the actual time sitting down with the guys but maybe you know they also have to chart you know maybe there's other things that they have to do and you can include that but this is just really trying to capture what is it that you're going to do with all of these inputs like what activity will you perform um i know for the after school program we had some in there that were like um uh, number of um i'm sorry not number of it was like uh, reading lessons. We were going to do like a reading curriculum. Uh, there were going to be games. Like, what are you going to do with that amount of time? Like Bible memory verses, whatever it was like, what activities will you be doing in this amount of time?
0: Yeah. So for our one-on-one mentoring, we said one hour, every two weeks spent, um, working with our mentors, trying to train them yeah. one hour, every two weeks spent between the mentor and the kid at or after school program one to two hours every two weeks spent with their family Mm -hmm. and then two hours of time every month spent at our events.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of events Um, because that's part of the program. It's not the regular day in day out, but it is a big activity that you're going to do is that you were had like uh, family events where the mentors would be with the boys and their families. But yeah. So uh, events would be one of those for sure.
0: That's awesome. Um, Yeah.
1: And this lets donors and funders look at a glance and understand what you're doing. And and there is this curse of knowledge that happens, where you're so intimately acquainted with the details of what you're doing that it just you just have this assumption that donors will understand all the things that one-on-one mentoring means, right? Um, but they may not have ever been involved in something like that. They may not know that you have events. They may not know how much training goes into it. And this keeps those details from falling through the cracks. It actually brings them up and highlights them. So someone can read very quickly and see, oh, wow, you're going to, you're going to do quite a few things. That makes sense. This is what you're putting in. This is what you're doing with it.
0: And like, I know for me, sometimes I forget how much we do. And Mm -hmm. so, and so I get so nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am about to ask this guy for $10,000. I'm about to ask this guy for $5,000. But then when I sit down with my logic model, it, it actually is so encouraging because i'm like oh my gosh we we actually do a ton with these kids why
1: wouldn't he want to
0: exactly exactly
1: yeah. why, why wouldn't he want to yeah and it it is that kind of helpful tool of just talking notes right like because you can read through that list and you can think of examples of like a really fun event that you had recently or a great conversation or a really good question that came up in training. And you can use that even as a conversation piece, like as that third object to point to and kind of bounce through as you're having that conversation.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. What's up next? We're talking outputs.
1: Yeah. Okay. So our next category is outputs and, uh, the next two Sound kind of similar, right? Because we've got outputs and we've got outcomes, and um, so I'll I'll talk about uh, outputs first. But we're going to kind of have a conversation about both because this is the most important section. I mean, absolutely impact is where we're headed. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But in terms of the usefulness of the tool, the divide between outputs and outcomes is the most important part of this whole thing. And actually, I think it's the thing that most nonprofits get wrong most often. So what an output is, is it's what happened after your activity. It's just what happened. And it really has no connection to skill or effectiveness or or anything like that. It's just what happened, right? So for example, if what our uh, activity was, was handing out flyers, then our output is going to be the number of flyers handed out. It has nothing to do with how many people read them. It has nothing to do with how compelling the flyers were. It has nothing to do with how many sales were made after we handed out the flyers, if that's what we were doing. It's just what happened. And so our output is going to be the natural results of our activity. So for example, in this logic model, um, I think we had something like number of direct hours mentoring was one of our main outputs.
0: Yeah, so our outputs was number of hours mentored, and then we Mm -hmm. had, you know, uh, we had, 28 kids paired with a mentor for a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. We had 90% of mentors visited their kid outside of the after-school program every other week. Mm -hmm. And then we had 50% of mentors visited their kid once a week at the after-school program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have our inputs. Hey, here is what we need. We have our activities. Hey, here's what we did. And then Mm -hmm. what happened? We matched (laughs) we matched mentors with kids and then X percent of mentors did this X percent of mentors did that.
1: And this is how many hours they spent doing it. Yes. Yes. Um, But here's what we haven't answered with that. What good did it do? Exactly. Right. We didn't talk about that. The outputs do not capture any change. They just capture activity. And so I always give this example Um, I kind of collect the collateral materials that we get mailed by different nonprofits and stuff. And I always like I I just look at it with probably a bit of a critical eye. But I I got this uh, we got this mailer from a missions organization that we had donated to. And it was their end of year mailer. And the theme of it on the front, it was kind of like their annual report at the end of the year. And it had a globe on it and it had these planes and the plane, the little planes were like crisscrossing the globe with like flight paths all around them. And that was the theme of it. And you opened it up and it had all these really big numbers, right? It had like numbers of miles flown by these missionaries and number of trips and, and all these things. And I remember thinking, well, did it work? Like, Did it matter? (laughs) Did it, did it change anything? Like your people flew a really long way, but should they have flown less? Like, should they have flown more? I don't know. I'm just looking at this thinking, I don't really care as a donor how many miles your people flew, but I can promise you what happened is it was almost time to make that thing and they needed some numbers for it. They needed to show what they had done. And some of the easiest numbers to find were how many miles they planned. flown.
0: Right.
1: right. Because you don't have to plan ahead to measure that. And that's a key point of this difference we're going to talk about with outputs and outcomes. You don't have to plan ahead to measure your outputs. You can look back and just measure what happened. Right? Like, well, just look up the tickets. Just look up what we bought. And I'm sure some... Poor lady in the office was tasked with like figuring out the numbers of miles that these people flew and it was a great big number and it seemed impressive. So they put it there, but I don't know if it was the right number because I don't know what changed and we didn't give to them because we don't want to give so that missionaries can fly around a whole bunch. That's not important to us. Like that doesn't change what we want to help change. And so that's an example that I always give of like a really big impressive number that seems like they did something, Um, but it's just what happened. And that is a big difference between an output and an outcome. We're talking about what happened versus what changed. And so outputs are just gonna be a list of what happened because of the activity that you did. It's important, but it's not the most important. And we're gonna divide how we talk about them.
0: And I know for me, guys, I'm not down with the numbers. I just wanna help kids. Mm -hmm. But whenever I started to um, get to know Casey and learn learn about a logic model, I began to get really interested in all of the data. Because it helped me get motivated to spend time with kids. And yeah. whenever we give out these surveys and when we figure out where kids are and then they come into our after school or one-on-one mentoring and then here's the change that happened, that spurred me on. Mm-hmm. And so while my first hope to create a logic model was to fundraise, it did so mm-hmm. much more than that. Yeah. It helped me become more and more inspired to serve mm-hmm. and it also helped us ask some you know really big questions like we found out through all the after school programs and through all the events and through all of the mentoring we were spending like a ridiculous amount of time with each kid per year it was like 700 hours mm-hmm. and we started asking ourselves huh could we get the same result with 500 hours could mm-hmm. we get the same with 300 hours and Mm -hmm. so like we started asking ourselves those and we started just to see how we could get the maximum amount of result while um, trying to be the best stewards with all of our staff and all of our time and all of our money and so uh, and what you
1: just described there is an outcome question right like and and so let's talk about that section real quick the outcome is going to be everything that changed output is almost always going to start with number of Like you listed off, number of hours this, number of uh, people here, number of visits here. So your outputs are just going to be a pretty simple measurement, just what happened. Outcomes, however, are almost always going to start with percentage change, right? Like percentage change of um, reading scores, Percentage decrease in disciplinary action, um, percentage increase of survey uh, happiness, percentage decrease surveyed anxiety. Like whatever it is that you're trying to change, we need to articulate that and we need to measure it. And so when I am drawing a logic model for an organization, I draw out all these boxes and I make a really, really thick black line between outputs and outcomes because I want them to see we're making, we're talking about a a totally different conversation on the other side of this line. Because when we're in outputs, we can measure what happened later. We don't have to think about it. We're just going through the motions. We're just putting in our inputs again and again and again, because it's the right thing to do. We're just doing our activities because they work, we think. There's so many assumptions until we get to that big black line, right? And when we cross over that line, now we are exposing ourselves to the idea that our assumptions may or may not have worked. And now we're going to find out. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to plan ahead of the change and how we're going to measure it. Outputs can always be measured retroactively without prior planning outcomes we're always going to have to have a baseline so we have to really think about it and we have to think about the kind of change that we want to see and then how do we capture enough information to know whether or not we move the needle right because the stewardship conversation you were talking about it that, that's fascinating right like what if we could because we're not just going to work less we're going to help more boys right we're that that represents real people. More people we can help. If it's not 700 hours a boy, but it's 350 hours a boy, we're talking double the boys. But before we just cut a boy's hours in half, we're going to make sure that he is going to get to the same level of impact and we're going to measure the kind of change that we want to see, and our outcomes are going to be directly related to our impact statement, right? They are going to have a strong connection because if we accomplish those outcomes, if we see those percentage changes in positive and negative directions as we need them to be, will they equal a boy who can go to that secondary level of education? Will they will they equal a boy who really cares about his faith and his family and his community? Um, so those are the kind of outcomes that we need to be measuring.
0: That's awesome, Casey. so how how do we capture this data
1: mm-hmm. um, So there it depends on the metric that you're looking at, but I think you can measure anything. I think you can measure just about anything um, some of them will be those hard data points, right? Like reading scores. Um, but you're going to need to know what they were reading at before you started, because we're not just going to take reading scores at the end. We're going to take them at the beginning and we're going to see if this curriculum was the right one. Right. So, um, for our, uh, one-on-one mentoring relationship though, um, some of that is more subjective, right? How does this boy feel about, the Bible? How does this boy feel about, um, being a dad? Like, what are the things that are connected to our impact statement that we want this boy to change in? How do we want him to grow? And then once we define those, um, we start asking him at the beginning. And so we create things like, um, entrance surveys, right? So we're getting a baseline of where he comes in at. And this takes, this takes a lot of extra work right? Um, especially on the front end, if it's not something um, that comes really natural in your organization. If, if your organization has always relied on outputs, then this switch to outcomes, it seems like double or triple work. Um, ultimately, though, like I said, it, it takes time to learn how to use the tool. But then once you do, you can do your work incredibly faster, more effective, better. Um, you're really going to increase how you're able to um, connect with donors, how you're able to fundraise. Because um, there's a massive difference in saying we talked to this boy for 20 hours last year and saying this boy's self-worth increased by 80%. This boy's anxiety plummeted. He was anxious 90% of the time. Now he feels uh, steady, stable, and secure. Um, almost a hundred percent of that. Well, whatever it is, like whatever the needle is that we're trying to move, we're able to to tell our donors that we know we are affecting change in the areas that they care about.
0: Right. So some of our intermediate outcomes were eighty-eight percent of our kids feel supported by their mentors. Okay, mm-hmm. that is a, a qualitative piece of data, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So qualitative is what they say. Uh, quantitative is like that is in the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Well,
1: and qual- qualitative is going to be, um, it's just going to be more subjective, yeah, right? right, right, right. And, and we will need to ask them at the beginning um, and we'll need to ask them ongoing, right? We're going to need to ask them at different points in the year. We're going to need to ask them at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, so I... Whenever I found out that 88% of our kids feel supported by their mentors and 75% of our kids have heard about a relationship with, um, Jesus Christ out of the mouths of their mentors, Mm -hmm. whenever I found out that 58% of our kids feel comfortable asking their mentor, uh, questions about faith and life. And 78% of our kids said that they would turn to their mentor in time of need.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That set me on fire.
1: Yeah, that's huge.
0: And I went from being like, yeah, let's, I guess we'll do these surveys next week or next month to now. I mean, surveys are some of the most important things we do. Mm -hmm. And if you're a nonprofit and you are not doing surveys, when a kid enters into your program and every six months or so, then I would encourage um, you guys to do so because it, it, it is so helpful. It's so encouraging and let's say it goes down well then that shows you where you guys have to focus on Mm -hmm. and we did a survey at the beginning of every school year we did a survey at uh, christmas break we did a survey Mm -hmm. at the end of school and um, i think the end of summer Mm -hmm. and so those are the four that we did and some of our outcomes i mean 100 percent of kids learned how to explain the gospel. Um, 80% of our kids received a 80 or above in language arts um, during the entire school uh, year. Um, 46% of kids um, improved in how to read. 100, 100% of our kids learned 10 new books. Um, versus which was awesome so um, so very helpful so out outputs is what happened most of that time it's the hours or the number of dot 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 outcomes is what good did it do what is what changed changed? that's great
1: change what changed and it's almost always going to start with percentage change of percentage increase of positive thing you want to see percentage decrease of negative thing you want to stop yeah. Um, and I'll tell you a story that happened. Um, this was another emissions agency and I went and, um, I will always remember I was sitting in the middle of this very large, uh, board table in a boardroom and I was texting my husband under the table and I was texting him saying, uh, pray for me. I think I'm going to have to give them their money back <laughs> because there was this like, uh, there was a lot of resistance, right? Like I'm trying to teach them this, I know it can help them, but there's this like unspoken resistance in the room. Some of it spoken actually. And it was like, well, like we're, we're just doing God's work, right? Like we don't need to um, try to put all these metrics on what God is doing. So I was trying to like explain to them some of the biblical principles even behind some of this like planning and using strategy and things like this. But then this lady down at the end of the table who hadn't spoken the entire time raised her hand and she said, can I say something? And I said, of course, you know, I, I mean, I'm texting my husband that I'm giving them their money back. Like she can say whatever she wants. And she said, what if we don't want to know? And I said, what and she said what if we don't want to know what if we've been doing it this way all this time and it doesn't really work and what if we don't want to know and it was just silence and they one by one had to decide do i want to know do i want to give my life to an organization that's not doing any good that's not changing anything do I want to know? And that is really the big question behind outcomes, right? Because sometimes we're actually more comfortable with the idea of outputs. What, what is just happening? Like, can we just make a lot of motion? Can we just have a lot of activity? Can we just do a lot of things that, that seem like they should make sense to do? And people give us money because they just assume that we know what we're doing. Or do we want to know that it really works? right? And there's risk in that. And that's hard for organizations. That's hard for board members. If they've been doing something a given way for a long time, Um, there's risk in it because what it may show is that what you're doing isn't working as well as it could be. And that takes some humility, right? That's some risk and it takes some humility, but it is important because I think deep down, given the choice, Everybody wants to be working for a nonprofit that works like that's doing what they really say they want to accomplish. And this is the way to know for sure.
0: Man, that's such a great story. And I know for me, I I am not about to give my life to something that I don't 100% know is working. And I think going through this process, doing the surveys, doing all of the data, I mean, it takes work, but it also mm-hmm. takes humility. Mm-hmm. And it also says to everyone involved, your staff, your donors, your board, I am willing to do whatever it takes. Even say what I'm, what I've been doing is wrong mm-hmm. to help this kid. Yeah. I, uh, episode 54, um, is a guy, his name is Eddie Halleck from the Stoller Foundation and the Stoller Foundation, you know, they had been supporting us for years. <clears throat> and he asked me this question. He said, Zach, are your boys' lives, are boys giving their lives to um, Jesus Christ at your program? And I didn't know. And so I was like, well, yeah, sure, they are. I, I mean, yeah, there's some life change. And he's like, how many kids have been baptized? And I just said, Well, I don't know And he goes, Well, have you ever asked them? And I said to myself, No, I haven't ever asked yeah. And he said, Zach, I am not going to support you until you ask. And yeah. I kinda of pushed back. I was like, Look, man, I don't do that, that's too much. I don't feel you know, I I I don't feel comfortable with, you know, trying to ask these kids if they want to be baptized and he just encouraged me and he encouraged me and he encouraged me so finally one day I did and guess what we had seven kids say yes Mm. the next week we had 10 kids say yes then the next week we had 15 kids say yes in the next two years we baptized 84 kids Mm. and it's all because he pushed me and said Zach you say that you're making life change but you don't really know because mm-hmm. you don't have the courage to ask the kids the hard kinds mm-hmm. of questions to find out yeah and to this day i mean i am so thankful that he said that to me because now i know like yeah. there is change in these kids lives because um because of him so
1: yeah yeah and you know there's those boys went like from not being baptized to being baptized. Right. Like the change, that's a huge change. It's massive. Um, that That's a, a huge change in any believer's life. For that missions agency that talked about flying all those miles, I would have much rather known how many people got baptized. Yeah, right. I would, much know I would much rather known that. Much rather known about uh, professions for Christ, like saved marriages. Like I would much rather know those things. Um, and like you said, like the things that kind of, that set you on fire, like the things that, that are the stories that you go talk about, they're always outcomes. We never have stories from outputs, right? Like there's numbers and they, they are important to a degree. We can measure them, um, but they're just going to happen anyway. Yeah. Whether we are calling it in or giving it our all, they're just going to happen. The change—that's the stories. That's that's what we tell people. That's what makes us excited. That's what that's what changes us.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, so we talked about the inputs, activity, outputs, outcomes, and then the impact. And that right there is a logic model.
1: That's a logic model. Um, it seems really simple until you get everybody in the room, and everybody has different ideas about what those things are, right? Um, The input, pretty simple. Um, There's not a lot of arguing about the input. It's just what you're putting in. Activities is pretty straightforward too. Um, What do we do? And that will take a little bit of figuring to make sure that nothing's falling through the cracks. Like you are going to have to to really think through like what belongs here or what percentage of a given uh, function belongs here if you've got multiple programs. And then, um, your outputs, um, uh, that may that may lead to some discussion, like what are you going to measure in terms of what happened? Um, but the real discussion happens in that outcomes category. What are we going to measure? And, and can we make those logical assumptions that it's going to connect to impact? And this is where kind of a, a next step or a next level Um, especially if you're going after bigger funders, could be um, including research. So if you decide that one of your outcomes is improvement in reading scores, maybe include the research that shows that reading scores are directly correlated with entrance to secondary education, right? Well, now that's powerful because you've got outside, independent, objective research that proves that the needle you're pulling over pulls over bigger needles, and um, and so that's that's going to be a big dis- discussion point in terms of your outcomes. You can't have five hundred. What are the three or four or five most important ones going to be? And then how do you make sure that moving those moves the impact?
0: Yeah, that's great, Casey. Um,
1: anything else? Hmm. Um. You know, I think that the last thing is a point that you've already touched on a little bit is that it's not just a tool for raising money. Um, this is a tool for celebration. Like this tool um, keeps your staff going. Like this is the these outcomes that you pick, that you measure, these are the things that you pull out um, to go crazy over. And so this is a tool, not just for outside your organization, but just as much for inside of your organization. So it's for everybody. Um, This is something that that I don't think people should view it as a hoop that they have to jump through to get a grant. Um, This is something that can really change how everybody connects to the mission. And I think that um, if you view it as something like that, um, then it's work you can do joyfully, even if it's work that you haven't had to do before.
0: I know for me, some of my favorite days was whenever I would get that stack of surveys. Mm -hmm. and say oh my gosh check out Tommy like Tommy every day says man I don't like this place but then on a survey he says that he went you know he uh, the very first day was at a four in this area and now he's an eight and I was just like thank you Jesus like man that is something that I can you know that gives me what I need to to keep on serving so yeah Okay, Casey. Well, if people, um, would, um, uh, people would, uh, care to get to know you a tad bit more, tell me how, um, people can find you.
1: Sure. Um, so my website is save nine consulting, um, S A V E N I N E. So they can find me there. And, um, Uh, more information about logic models I think I sent over to you so they uh, can access that Um, it's not a difficult um, tool but sometimes the questions are hard and so I love to help groups walk through those in group settings as a facilitator um, to help really in a in a timely and more fun fashion narrow down how this should work that's
0: awesome Casey thank you so much Um, you guys feel Um, Feel free to reach out to Casey for some support and for some help. And we're thankful for you guys who tuned in and remember you can mentor. Thanks for tuning into the, you can mentor podcast. Please share this with other mentors and download our free resources on our website. You can also order Zach's book. You can mentor or John's book on Amazon. Lastly, we'd really appreciate it. If you gave us a five-star rating on whatever listening platform you are tuning in on. If you'd like to connect with us further, please contact us through our website because we're always looking for new guests or connections. Thank you. And remember, you can mentor.